Welcome, one and all, to the latest edition of Brothers in Song. How's everything for you, Joseph? My bags are packed. I'm ready to go. We're not That's talking right. about that guy tonight, but <laughs> here yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going away on a little trip. Yes, sir. And since I didn't think of our customary introductory question. Yeah, that's all right. Where are you going and why? How about we start there? So this is a is a milestone year for me. Um, I turned 40 a couple days, a couple weeks ago. And uh, so me and my wife are going to España. So we're going to go to Barcelona for the first half and then we're going to Mallorca for the second half of our trip. Uh, without our children. Mm-hmm. I've been talking to some people this week in my life. They're like, whoa, you're not going with your kids. I was like, dude, that sounds like a $10,000 fine and a penalty. Why would I want to do that to myself? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so we leave in, in a couple of days. So we're just kind of tying up all the loose ends with getting the kids figured out what they're going to be doing and getting ourselves organized, booking some some good dinners and and uh key sites that we want to see in barcelona and then we're going to relax on the beach a bit in micra i gotta tell you though i am a little concerned because it's gonna be hot like super hot but it'll be all right yeah i prefer hot as opposed to rain like we've had here the last couple of days so yeah yeah on vacation definitely definitely well and we can take a little siesta so yeah that's fun yeah, absolutely. That's why that that's why those siestas exist. Exactly. For sure. So, so I'm excited, but how's how's your summer going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Um, I'm on a little mini vacation. Mm-hmm. I just had some days off coming to me, uh, so extended the weekend a little bit. Um, gonna take my kiddo to uh, the city. Uh, in in a couple days um he's a little bit older than your kids he can handle that sort of stuff and i only have one so (laughs) so we're gonna we're gonna do our little father-son day trip and uh yeah yes i'm looking forward to that awesome cool well let's go ahead and get started here uh we have our the second installment of our choose your own adventure series on tap today Joe, would you be able to give our listeners a quick review of what we're doing with that concept, please? Sure. So what what we did for this little fun activity is we posed each other a couple of questions to narrow down the, the wide array of, of explorations we could go on. And um, you posed a couple of questions for me for, for us to um, set the stage, and then you chose my adventure. So I think I said... I wanted a solo country artist from the early 2000s. So what did you come up with me, my friend? So today we're taking a look at Johnny Cash's final studio album released during his life. It's called American Four, The Man Comes Around. And as a little intro here, this is a part of a series of albums where Cash collaborated with famed producer Rick Rubin. Mm -hmm. And for this album, like with all the albums in this 
collaboration that he did with Rick Rubin. Uh, Johnny Cash recorded mostly covers, plus some reworked versions of songs he had previously recorded. Uh, there's some guests that appear on the album. So it's kind of an interesting melange of things. And what did you think of this adventure? Did I steer you in a good direction? Well, I gotta say, it definitely was unexpected because, like, the parameters I gave you, I wanted, I was trying to steer you towards something like, uh, like a Miranda Lambert or a the Chicks, as they're called now, not the Dixie Chicks, but mm. the Chicks, something like that, just to kind of shake it up a little bit because that's a little bit outside of our comfort zone. But frankly, we hadn't talked about Johnny Cash, and that's a mistake up by us. So, mm-hmm. um, one of my favorites like just i mean i i feel like this this podcast is going to be so effusive i I mean we're going to be throwing out some pearl tennis left right and center but uh just like a fucking legend i don't know what else to say yeah um so it was actually um i'm more familiar with his earlier stuff and even that being said i'm not an expert by any stretch but um yeah, it was it was really cool to listen to him um, put all these things down right at the end of his life. Um, and really powerful in a lot of ways. Um, and the fact that there's so much music that we've heard in other contexts was very interesting to hear put through the lens of Johnny Cash. Um, and I think that was... Uh, Kind of, kind of a cool idea that he had, and and obviously he had a lot of great people working with him on this one. So um, certainly not everything was a home run, but uh, really fun, fun thing to explore. Um, what about you? Have you have you listened to this thing before? Uh, I had heard his cover of the Depeche Mode song "Personal Jesus." and his cover of the Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt. Mm. And, you know, in listening to the album in its totality, my first thought is, if you don't already know who Johnny Cash is, if you don't already have a feeling for what he's about and enjoy his music, this album isn't going to make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. It feels like the point is... Also, be- like, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, also that. Also, what have you done with your life to this point? Uh, Sorry. Continue. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, But it feels like the point is to view these songs, you know, through Johnny Cash's particular artistry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also to view them in the context of someone who is, you know, creating this work at the end of his life and quite frankly he knows it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i think that context is is really important to appreciating and enjoying this um and i think rick rubin did a good job of producing this keeps things relatively spare he allows cash's voice to shine through and interpret the lyrical content and when it's successful it's very powerful and when it's not, you can either just give them a pass because it's Johnny Cash and you love him and take it yeah, for yeah. what it is, or or you can, you know, just not listen to those songs, you know? Sure, sure, sure. 
but what um, what were some of the good things that you know made a good impression on you? Well, I got to tell you, the man the man comes around was just a great way to open the album, and I feel like you know as you so succinctly put it like if you don't know who johnny cast is probably isn't gonna really uh get you there but i felt like that was like a very much like right in his wheelhouse type of song um and a couple of them that like and we we can get into the specifics later but like sam hall the first time i listened to that i was just like dying in the car (laughs) laughing yeah, I <laughs> listening to that one. Um, and then we get, um, you know, some some of my own like just personal personal favorite songs like Danny Boy, Desperado, um, and it just is like, oh, I never thought johnny cash would sing this even in my life which is like this this beautiful Beatles song and they're like i feel like they couldn't be more different and when you hear him interpret the song you're like oh that's a different way of thinking about it um so i like those and i think to you know hurt being the one that you um you highlighted in your intro i gotta tell you I think I like his version better than the Nine Inch Nails version. Well, yeah, I mean, they're very different. And, you know, Nine Inch Nails, especially on that particular album, The Downward Spiral, like, it's very noisy. It's very harsh. Mm-hmm. It's that way on purpose. You know, that's the type of... Uh, vibe and expression that Trent Reznor was going for. But because it's a well-written song. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can do other things with it and it's going to sound just as good or it's going to be just as effective even if you don't like, you know, one particular flavor versus another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trent Reznor was actually hesitant about lending that song to this but then after he heard it he was just like oh well this is amazing and like i don't know this isn't even my song anymore like this is great yeah 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 it's funny how how something can be so completely different with somebody else taking the reins and making it their own um and 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 that one like even before i went back and listened to the nine inch nails one because I had a feeling like I like somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I had heard it before, but certainly not in a long, long time. And then to your suggestion, I went back and listened to the Nine Inch Nails one. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like this is totally more my speed. And even before I had that additional context, that was one that stuck out to me as being like, oh, yeah, this is like one of the better songs on this whole album. Um what about for you? What what were some of the key ones that stuck out for you? Because obviously there's a lot of music on here that we both know pretty well. I think Hurt, along with Personal Jesus, I mean, I I like some of Nine Inch Nails stuff more than others, and I do like Depeche Mode. Um, but what I liked about his interpretation of both of those songs 
or his choice to do those songs at this point in his life is like both of those songs i think are you know powerful enough on their own but when it's an older person mm -hmm. singing that song you know again johnny cash is at the end of his life at this point it has another layer of meaning because when you add that experience to it it just comes across differently than a younger person singing it sure and so with with hurt you know you've got a song that's about it's about addiction it's about alienation it's about regret and when you have a younger person singing it you know maybe that person can have the time to turn things around mm -hmm. when it's an older person's like the heaviness of that regret takes on more significance and like maybe there isn't time left to repair the damage you've done yeah you know uh and with personal jesus which is a song about being uh being manipulated or like taken advantage of by someone else I think when you have an older person singing it, it's more like, I've been through this before, so you're not going to take advantage of me. As mm -hmm. opposed to when mm -hmm. I hear a younger person singing it, I think, oh, you have taken advantage of me, and now I'm recognizing it. So those two songs, I think, illustrate what I'm trying to say about how it matters who's singing the the song and, and like that context well i think that's that's sort of the whole key to the album right is that there's so mm -hmm. many underlying themes of like the end of a journey the end of life there's obviously regret and remorse in many of the many of the tracks and if you're 25 and singing that it means a lot it, it just is expressed in a different way than when you're, you know, 70 and very close to the end of your life, like Johnny Cash was, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so effective in many of the, in, in many places, just because um, you understand the context of where he's coming from. And it's almost like there's, you know, obviously he was creating music right until the end of his life. And it felt like there was like an urgency in the artist to put it all down before he wasn't able to, you know, and, um, just understanding that I feel like, again, there, it, it creates this, this painful beauty throughout the whole thing. Right. And that, you know, and at that point, like, during the last, say, like eight years of his life, you know, Johnny Johnny Cash didn't have a record contract mm -hmm. in the early 90s. Yeah. And then Rick Rubin signed him to his own label that he just created, created at that point. Right, right. Uh, and I didn't count, but that, like, but between 94 and like 2000, four-ish you know i don't know how many albums they recorded it was like 10 and then they lot. did like they did like one a year it was know? a lot and he's like sick he can't see they're recording in his living room and he's just mm -hmm. you know cranking him out as best as best as he can 
Well, and and that's and and you can hear that in some of the performance, right, throughout the record. And I mean, it, if I can, I want to take a little detour to talk about his voice. Yeah, of course. A little bit because obviously, um, you know, when he was up and coming, he had this like such a rich, beautiful baritone voice, and I feel like even now, just listening to it. I'm already talking down here because mm. <laughs> it like influenced my speaking voice. Um, and in like this, again, it's like this agonizingly beautiful way you can hear his voice is going in a lot of these tracks. And I think when people hear singers and they think of them getting older, they always assume it's like, well, the top part of the register goes. And that is true, but the bottom part also goes over time as you get older. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it has very little to do with like your physiological, like vocal folds, it has to do with like the, um, like the cardiovascular fitness that you need to sing well, because you need so much air support that Mm -hmm. like, as you get older, you just don't have that. And where does that impact your voice the most? At the very top, where you need to have, like, so much support to sing well. And frankly, at the very bottom, Mm. right? So even in classically trained singers, like, the middle is always fine. It's the top and the bottom that go first. And you can hear it because even in the opening track, um, the man comes around, he kind of fades out at the very bottom of those notes, and you know that they're coming, but he just can't get all the way down there because he doesn't have the air support. Mm -hmm. But in a weird way, it's still kind of effective because it, like, it emphasizes and almost amplifies the, um, the nature of a lot of the themes that we we just mentioned right and it's kind of like yeah. you're running out of time and you're running out of air and you're running out of just everything and it's showing itself in his own voice which obviously that wasn't intentional but that's just the way it was right and it's just a, uh, and it emphasizes his humanity right right um, right because i'm sure they could have cleaned it up in the studio right Sure. They have the technology to do all that stuff, and they yeah. didn't, and I'm so grateful that they didn't. Right. Because how, how else would you know, like, we have we just talked about the difference between interpreting a song as a younger person versus an older person, but in the recording, you can't see him. I mean, I guess you have a picture of Johnny Cash in your mind, but mm. without hearing the effects of age on his voice, you don't get that part of the interpretation of the songs. Can we talk about a couple of the more country-oriented tracks? Sure. Uh, You mentioned Sam Hall, which is just a riot. (laughs) And I want to kind of compare and contrast that with I Hung My Head, Mm. because they're both have like a similar story, but approach it in very different ways. Yeah, yeah. Like uh Sam Hall is just just this bitter <laughs> country song <laughs> and you know and the point is not 
like what actually happens in the in the context of the story, but more so that you see yourself in the speaker mm -hmm. and like who has not been in that situation. Uh, right. Right. So briefly, the song is about you know basically this uh, unrepentant scoundrel who's going to the gallows, mm -hmm. and he's just like giving a middle finger to everybody, everybody along the way until he and you know until he gets hung. Um, and uh, I'm definitely going to put this on a playlist somewhere because even though this is a country song. The sentiment and the lyrics are metal as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could I could see yep. I could totally see that. And uh now what did you think of I Hung My Head? Did you did you like that one? I did. And like again, that's like one of those agonizing ones where it's just like, yeah, I made some mistakes in my life. I mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. fucked up a lot of stuff. And I'm paying the price for that now. But I do at least have some regret and remorse about it. I think that's really smart to, like, compare those two tracks. Because, again, you're exactly right. Like, it's comparing very similar circumstances, but with two completely different perspectives. And I didn't realize Sting wrote that song. Did you? Not until I looked at it. I'm like, I have to... Like, did Sting record this? Like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't find. Is it, it like though. on one of his like obscure sing solo albums that maybe we haven't gotten to yet? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but, but yeah, um, it, it was, it was pretty powerful. Right, right, and and again, what I like about both of those songs is that it, it forces you to identify with the speaker in the song and with I hung my head like you talked about regret and like how a split second decision mm -hmm. can mess up your whole life and you know we've all been like the the one who accidentally shoots the rifle and we've all been oh yeah, one, we've... <laughs> and we've all been the one who gets shot off the horse. Yeah, you know, by somebody else's careless actions. So it's uh, it's a simple but powerful metaphor, I think. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you, what was your favorite cover of all the ones that were on here? Oh, jeez. I, I, I know we talked about a lot of them, but do you have a favorite? Or least favorite? I don't know. Wh whichever direction you want to go. I mean, other than the ones I've mentioned, which we've already talked about at length, um, I also liked "I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry" because mm. uh, that's just a that's a very quintessential country ballad, mm -hmm. and I do enjoy those from time to time. Yeah, um, it's got Nick Cave on it. It's not not a bad thing. I'm not the world's biggest Nick Cave fan, but I think his voice goes along very well with Johnny Cash's voice. Sure, sure. Um, were there were there any things here that really didn't work for you, Joe? I 
I think Bridge Over Troubled Water, just because I have such a deep history with that song, that I didn't think it it was suited for him. Mm-hmm. And though I like Fiona Apple, I don't know if that was the best use of her on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one that maybe didn't, for me, didn't really need to be there. But, um, but I, I, I liked many of the other ones. Like Desperado, as I said, is one of my all-time favorite songs. I think it's just like mm-hmm. an awesome, awesome song. I think it's so cool. Don Henley is like, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you on Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Um, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there are certain songs that I don't think really think should be covered. Oh, I agree. And I think Bridge Over Troubled Water is is one of them. I think it has something to do with you know, when it comes from the creators themselves, it feels really sincere. Mm-hmm. And not that Johnny Cash doesn't seem sincere when he's singing it, but for some reason, it's just really hard to pull off without sounding like overly sentimental or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, this is a song especially if you're going to harmonize with it, then you need pitch accuracy. Yeah. And Well, and, and you just need like the perfect partner to do that. With, yeah. You know? Yeah. And Johnny Cash, even in his prime, yeah. is a singer who's kind of like hovering around the pitch sometimes because <laughs> he's like speak singing and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't know who, who wrote that harmony, but it just, I don't know. It, they don't really sync up. Yeah. And it just... It just doesn't work. And I kind of feel bad for both of them because I like both of them. But I'm like, and eh, this one's... This one doesn't really ring true for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I also it's... wasn't crazy about Danny Boy. Yeah. Is that, is, yeah, I agree. Do we need another version of Danny Boy? Probably ever? not. Probably not. No. Probably not. No. I mean... I get the great songs in and of themselves, but that's also, you really got to think about like, what are you as the artist bringing to this that hasn't already been like expressed in the world? And mm-hmm. if it's not something that's really going to be compelling to the audience and it's kind of like, we should just let that one be, you know? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree, agree with that. Um, and and just kind of in general, I appreciated some of the more some of the more upbeat songs more than more than the ballads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just found it kind of tough to get through the ballads more than a couple of times. Just a personal thing. Well, yeah. and when you get through like like one verse in the chorus you're probably like okay that's good but then there's comes another verse and then it's like oh we're almost at four minutes of listening this like almost like a drudge it's not great um but uh you know it is what it is right right and you know that could be due to the fact that they did want to 
they did want to, you know, get this stuff out there. Mm-hmm. You know, which which is fine. I mean, you you don't necessarily need to, you know, agonize over every little detail. Sometimes when you when you're an artist, even though you want to, like, just just get it out there and you know have people listen to it. Um, and uh yeah and it and you know it makes me wonder about like other other albums in this in this series like what you know what approaches they took and what songs they chose and and um you know just to see which songs were more successful than others Mm -hmm. can can i ask you a question about the guitar playing on a lot of this uh, I mean, you can try as the resident uh, guitar yeah. guitar player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess my question is, from your perspective, like, what makes it sound quote unquote country? Because it does it has like a country feel to it, and I don't really know what is it. Just the the way that they're that they pick the strings or the intervals that they're using, or is there anything that really makes it? distinct to that genre or is it just the people who are playing are playing in a certain way i i think it has to do with the rhythmic quality Mm. more than anything else um you know i i don't know if i can hear well enough to to really pick out anything else i mean they could be using some some alternate tunings in there Mm-hmm. somewhere uh there is a there is an interesting tuning called a nashville tuning mm-hmm. um so what you do in in the nashville tuning is so in standard tuning the the strings are uh e a d g b e Mm-hmm. from lowest to highest mm-hmm. and in the nashville tuning there it's the same notes but certain strings are using lighter gauge strings so you can tune them an octave higher oh so yeah so that way you're you're imitating almost having a 12 string guitar without having to have a 12 string guitar sure yeah yeah that'd um, make a big difference <laughs> if you turn tune some of the strings up an octave uh but yeah, you got to use a lighter gauge string or you're going to break it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there could be some of that going on there. It's it's hard for me to tell just by listening. I can't hear it that sure, well. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but those those could potentially be two things that give it that feel. I mean, and and Johnny Cash, uh, you know, I don't know how much guitar playing he was doing on this. I think he did some. Mm-hmm. Um, but Johnny Cash has a, has a particular rhythm to the way he plays guitar, kind of mm-hmm. like that sort of chugging sort of rhythm, and you hear it uh, very prominently in the first track, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and without being uh, 
without having listened to many of his other albums, like all the way through carefully, I imagine that that characteristic of his playing probably has seen a lot earlier in his career as well with his guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think one of the great things about Johnny Cash um, as well is that there's nothing that he's doing that's particularly uh, difficult. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he just finds a way to make it his own. Like the songs are not um, harmonically complicated at all. It's like the simplest thing you can think of. Like I learned how to play Sam Hall today in about five minutes because there's three chords in it, you know. Um, But, uh, you know, but he just makes it work. He just he just makes it work. And like I've said time and time again on this show, like we love we love virtuosity we love people with a high degree of skill but also we love people who just have a knack for making good music like they have that intangible quality and that's johnny cash yeah well and i i always try to i always think it's really tied back to with him and countless others that we've discussed on the show it's it's like that's who he is that's how he sounds that's how he plays you can like it or not but he's not (laughs) and that's why he could do it so late in his life because he's like this is what i've always done it's Mm -hmm. not putting on airs or trying to sound like somebody else he's you know yeah he's not trying to be cool he just is cool he just is (laughs) he is who he is right right and and I think people appreciate that that authenticity. That's not um, it's not cultivated in any kind of way to you know to get people to like him. It's just yeah. the way he is, like you said. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, Joe? Well, it just reminded me I need more Johnny Cash in my life, I guess, sure. <laughs> which is never a bad thing. Um, but, you know, the guy just, you know, did what he did, and he did it so well. And, I mean, I, I think a testament to his legacy is how many people wanted to be a part of this final album, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there were a lot of hard asks for people to come, like, hey, you want to come sing? One of your biggest hits with Johnny Cash? Sure. Like, no problem. Can Johnny Cash use your song? Absolutely. No questions asked. Like, I think there's a lot of admiration for him for all, for a lot of what we just discussed. You know, he's just, he is, he was who he was for 50 years. And he made a real indelible mark on not only country music, but I think, you know, American music, because I think his influences are well beyond the genre of, of country and um i really do think there's there's a lot of beauty and this urgency at the end of his life to create all this all these new not new but like new to him music and just put it out in the world um so i thought i thought it was pretty cool and that was not the direction i thought my adventure was going i'm i'm really happy that we got a chance to listen to it 
Um, what about you for your final thoughts? Yeah, I echo a lot of that. And, you know, I would also add that, you know, I think uh, you, to, to step back a little bit, I think we all probably start to feel regret and also that sense of urgency as we come to our <laughs> inevitable ends, all of us. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, why don't you use some of that urgency now? So if you want to, you want to go somewhere like Spain or if you want to <laughs> make some, if you want to make some music or make some art or write something down or whatever, yeah. go Get ahead and do it. it. And Johnny Cash made 67 albums. So he was uh, <laughs> so he was doing it. So he was doing it with a lot of urgency for a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know if we'll get to all 67 of them on this podcast, but <laughs> maybe we'll pick more, a couple more to take a closer listen to. Maybe we will. Uh, well, in that case, um, I want to thank you all for joining us. I think we're going to end up uh, taking a little bit of a break, uh, probably for about 30 days, 45 days, sure. something like that, um, as we uh, as we try to uh, enjoy the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hope you all enjoy your summer as well. And uh, we'll see you back here in the fall. Take care, everybody. Brothers in Song is written and produced by Joseph Collin and Daniel Collin, and edited by Daniel Collin. To keep up with the latest news, follow us on Instagram at Brothers in Song. Until next time, listen to some new music. You just may surprise yourself.